This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the May, this May 1st edition of Invest Talk. You know, Justin and I are dedicated to using our hour to advantage, to your advantage, actually, to do what we can bring, to, to try to bring all the information we can that you could use, give you some perspective on the money market, you know, how to manage your finances, investing in today's market. You know, today's market, we're still in our correction phase. This is one of the longest correction phases that I've ever remembered. When I say that, I'm saying that because it hasn't turned into a bear market and it hasn't returned to a bull market. It's still just going sideways. And that's that's corrected 10%, right? We have a 10%, full 10% correction. And then from then on, it goes up and down, up and down, up and down, but basically sideways so far. So, uh, it, you know, it started in February, first part of the very beginning, end of January, beginning of February. That's when it started. And here we are now in May 1st. Interesting. Is it time to panic? Should we talk about that? The money the money climate out there is changing. And it's hard to keep track of it, especially if you're not like, if, if you're not doing what I'm doing, which is reading every day about this, studying what goes on, studying the market, and the, you know, Everything there is involved about economics around what the world and what's bothering investors and why is it happening. If you aren't doing that kind of thing because you have a life to live, then it's confusing. And I'm hoping this show will help alleviate some of that confusion. Our number is 888-99-CHART. And, of course, that's always open for any of your questions. As long as they're money-related, we'll talk about any question. Okay? And if you'd like... To ask a question more privately, you can always go to investtalk.com and click on Got a Question. And that's a question that will come directly to us, and we'll answer that one. Now, in today's financial news, earnings, earnings, Apple earnings after the hours are all the rage. Did you see the buyback that they are suggest? They're going to buy back $210 billion. They already have a buyback program. They're adding to it. Now, $210 billion. $210 billion is bigger than almost all the companies out there. There's very few companies that are over $210 billion in size. And Apple's buying back that number of shares. Their whole size is $858 billion. They're going to take $200 plus billion of their shares, take it out of the float, take it out by buying them back. And do you know what that does to the earnings per share numbers? It, it will make them rise dramatically because there's less shares out, out, out there to, to divide that money between. That's returning shareholder value to you. That's what that means. So that's going to be pretty, you know, pretty impressive. Apple's one of the largest holders of overseas dollars. Did you know that? And has everything, and they're going to bring back a lot of money back here because of that tax break. What's that going to do? They've already said they're going to spend like what thirty billion dollars on uh, uh, capital improvements. Thirty billion with a B. <laughs> that's a lot of money. 
it's hard to contemplate how much money it is and what kind of impact it is because it's so big. So why are earnings announcements such a big deal anyways? Yeah, why? We'll talk about that if you like. But for now, we're going to go and, and uh, listen to some questions. 888-99-CHART. You can reach us anytime you want. Hello, guys. Thanks for answering our questions. We really appreciate your show. I'm wondering, I hear you mention metrics, but I never hear you mention the PEG, the price-earnings growth ratio. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. I'm, I'm looking at Kimberly-Clark, which is 204 and comparing it to Procter and Gamble, which is 2.5, and General Mills, which is 2.48, and then I go down and look at the price to book, and Procter's is two, General Mills is five, and the price to book on Kimberly's 56. And I'm wondering, can you give me some information on how you look at these two different metrics, and especially the peg? I'm interested in that and how valuable you figure that is, or you think it is. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. Okay, the PEG ratio is P-E-G, and it stands for the P-E ratio divided by the growth. I like G-P-E better. I don't, I'm just telling you. But either way, what it is is, is the, you're comparing the growth of the company with its P-E ratio. I like the growth of the company to be twice the P-E ratio. That would be my favorite number. But, you can't do that when you're talking about a company like Procter & Gamble. Those big blue chip stocks don't grow that fast. So you'll never get those high, uh, high growth to P.E. ratios or, you know, or, or, or just the opposite on the peg. It's a P.E.G. Uh, the G.P.E. number is, is two or higher. And that, that is much more achievable than smaller companies because they have higher growth. And do I look at them? Yes, I do. Uh, we do. Um, you have to, like all other statistics, you got to understand how it relates to this particular company and this particular types of companies as far as industries are concerned and what kind of environment we're in today. Okay? Uh, so we're in a, an environment where large cap stocks and large cap stocks cannot grow fast. For instance, Procter & Gamble is growing 3 or 4%. When they're, you know, when they're 181 billion dollars in size, it's very difficult for them to grow, and their P/E ratio is right now 18. So that's why their peg is so high. It's not a very good number. Their GPE is very, very low, well below one. So the relationship is not something that most people would look at and say, "Hey, I, I want to buy that company because it's a good growing company." So. Uh, since I'm a value investor, I like growth, I want growth, but I look for value first, you know, that uh, we don't rely too heavily on the peg numbers. We don't. Doesn't mean they're no good. They are good. It's just something that we would look at and consider, and boy, if we got a good number, we would like that. That'd be wonderful to get that kind of number. For instance, you know, if you're looking at uh, uh, Apple, they're growing, the last quarter grow 16% here in their March quarter. Okay, 16%. And their PE is 16. So their GPE is 1. Because yeah, the growth is exactly the same as the PE rate. That's pretty high for a very large company. 
Now you go to Procter & Gamble, PG, their growth is four and their PE is 18. So what would be a better company to buy? Well, what kind of, one, you got, first as I, well, Procter & Gamble that you mentioned, that company, you know, produces cleaning products, diapers, tissues, you know, those kinds of things. Well, Apple, you know, that's iPhone. Apple is probably a higher risk type of stock than Procter & Gamble. Is, not probable, is. Good question, though. What is an, an earnings announcement? Do you know what that is? An earnings announcement is the official public statement of a company's profitability for a specific time period. Most of the time, typically it's on a quarterly basis. It could be a year, but most companies uh, report quarterly. And earnings announcement typically occurs on a specific date. They usually announce the date they're going to announce the earnings. Uh, and we call this the earnings season, which is after the end of each quarter where, you know, earnings season's all of April because the quarter ended March, the end of March. So we had all April and now we're into May, which is still, we're still getting earnings reports in for the first quarter. Now you can adjust those earnings up and down. You know, everybody has estimates, the, 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 uh, the professionals, the experts always have estimates of earnings. The companies usually give you a range way before the earnings are reported. You know, they'll give you, for instance, when they report this, this quarter's earnings, the most recent quarter, they're going to give us a guidance for the next quarter. And that'll be a range. Oh, we think we'll make, you know, 20 to 40 cents to earn a, a uh, you know, per share next year, 20 to 30 cents a share, 20 to 25 cents, whatever. They'll give us that kind of estimate. Then they try to refine it as we go, as a quarter goes along. And the experts will do the same thing. They will do the same thing. Usually, right after the end of the quarter, everybody's very optimistic about the next coming up quarter. And as we get closer to the end of the quarter, everybody gets more pessimistic. Everybody meaning the companies and the experts. Then, they do that on purpose, especially the experts, so that there'll be a good earning surprise beating their earnings when they actually announce them because they lower them beforehand. It's a game. They're trying to guide your expectations. But everybody knows about the game. So it's kind of silly, actually. It really is. That's what you can if you that's what earnings are all about. Earnings go to the go to the value of the company. Because you buy this company because they make money. That's why you want to own them. They're gonna make you money. That's your whole object. Now, do you have a question about earnings reports? Give me a call. Our main talking point today is going to be eight steps to organizing your personal finances. Some of the other things, I want to talk about real estate a bit today. Not, not REITs, Real Estate Investor Trust, but actually buying real estate as an investment. We haven't talked about that a while. I can't go over a lot of details, but I'll give you some pros and cons of what I like about them. I'm Financial Advisor Steve Peasley. Give me a call. 888-99-CHARTERS our number. You can get through right now. listening to Invest Talk and we're listening to you. I'm into 
dilemma of the fear and greed again. In my 401k, I, I don't have very many choices. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion. Um, I am looking into some kind of college saving plan. Get your question to us now at 888-99-CHART. That's how you can reach Invest Talk anytime. Hey, Steve or Justin. Love your show. I was calling to ask about Bristol Myers, BMY. Uh, it's been beat up a little bit. I bought it on the last time. I think it has dropped a little bit and wondered if I should uh, add to my position. The dividend seems safe, and I think it's at like 3.7%. It's pretty good. So just wonder what your thoughts were. Thanks. Okay, Bristol Myers, a very large company, $86 billion drug company, Explore, uh, it develops branded uh, pharmaceuticals for the treatment of cardiovascular, virological, and infectious diseases. It's going to make $3.72 next year. That's 10% higher than this year. This year is 12% higher than last year. So it's growing. Sales are growing about 5 6 7%. Okay, so that's the company. So is it cheap? Is it expensive? It's a $52.69 stock, going to make $3.72. It pays a 3% dividend, which is pretty nice. A very high return of equity at 36%, which is very good. And the P.E. is right around 17. By next year, the P.E. should be around, if the price doesn't change, it will be, what, 16. What is the range of its P.E.? 16 to 35. Now, recently, the stock has taken it on the chin, right? I mean, it's fallen from $69 to $52.00. And just probably in the middle of April, it dropped from 59 to 50, I mean, 51, I mean, in one to two days, which is, you know, 13, 14% drop. So now it looks like it's trying to put in a bottom. One, two, three, four, about the last seven or eight days, it looks like it's going sideways. So, yes, I think it has good value here. This looks like support. Uh, it's starting to come up off the bottom. You could wait another week or two, We are, you know, but it looks like this is a good price to buy it. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I welcome any money questions you might have. Whether you're an experienced trader or you're thinking about waiting in, making your first investment, it always pays to have a good understanding of the principles and trends, the economics, all those kinds of things. And that's what we are here for. We're here to help you. 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk continues on a service of KPP Financial, serving the average investor for more than 25 years with innovative investing programs, programs they have a personal stake in, independent thinking, shared success with parallel investing. And now it's time to bring your money question to the table. 888-99-CHART is our anytime number. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to John in Santa Cruz. How you doing, John? Good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, well, Thank I had you. a couple questions. I don't know if you can answer both. But the first one was, I'm wondering, I know you're not a market timer, but I'm wondering if you think it would, if I have a 10-year horizon, for instance, if it would be a good time to invest in a, like a Russell 2000 ETF. And then the other question is Regeneron. Uh, do you think I sh I'm looking to buy it, um, and I don't know if I should wait? It's gone down quite a bit. 
Um, it went down to 296 today, briefly. Um, What's the symbol on Regeneron? R-E-G-N. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull up on the very software I have here. Just give me a second. Sure. Okay, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, everybody. It's a big company, $32 billion, develops drugs to treat eye diseases, inflammatory diseases, and cancer. Uh, it's growing very solid, about you know 20 to 30% in the last four quarters per quarter. So it's growing very nice. The earnings are going up 13% this year, another 14% next year. It's a $301 stock, okay? And it's going to make 20, almost $21 next year. Okay, so that's what, about a 15, 16 PE? And the stock has been being beaten up, as you pointed out. It was a high at $520 a share back about almost back, what, July last year, June, July? And today it made a new 52-week low at 301. So it looks like I'm, I'd have to read something up about, or some, maybe some of the, the drugs are running off patent in the next few years. Maybe that's it. Something's not right in hmm. the why is it falling. Even though sales are yeah. growing, the numbers look great. And the P.E. Okay. ratio is low compared to its history. So 36% return on equity. Come on, that's really good. So, so, John, I think it might have something to do with the future. Not, not. I mean, when I say future, five years down the road, okay? Uh, that someone's okay. worried about something. Okay, and the mutual funds okay. are slowly selling it, not buying it. Now, as far as what part of the market for the next, uh, I really think you need to turn to value stocks. Growth stocks worked really great last year. And I think so if you're going to turn to the mid-caps, I would do that. I was going to say, if you're going to turn to the mid-caps, I'd go mid-cap value. I think 10 years from now, you'll look back and they will do better than the growth. Because normally, okay. value does do on long-term. Growth works really good for two, three years at a time, and then they value takes over. So we've had that. So I, I think it's growth's turn. That's what I think. Okay. John, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. It. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Eight steps to organizing your financial life. What should you be doing? Okay, pull out the budget. Do you have a budget? You need to pull it out. If you have a budget, if you don't have a budget, make a budget. If you, if you, have a, if you do, try to follow it. That's most people's problems. Take a look at it. Write it down. Take a look at it every month. Use some financial software. There's lots of financial software out there to help you. Keep your bills in one place. Don't scatter them around. Don't don't know. I mean, I for me and my wife, we have a certain spot on her desk that the bills. When I open the mail, I put them here because she writes out the bills for the house, and it's always the same spot because they get lost. Pay bills the same day you receive them. Now, I will admit that I don't do that. I don't. I usually pay bills once a week. That's how I do it. Why? Because every day, I don't want to sit down every day and do that. I mean, who, who, who wants to do that? I don't. Um, make sure you get the bills. Have you ever had that? I've had that happen to me. You know, you know you're looking for the water bill or the electric bill, and it didn't come happens 
some, you know, the mail didn't get it. But now at this days you have electronic banking. You can pay bills electronic and be automatically paid. But if you do go that route, which is not a bad route, I kind of like it, make sure you check it. Make sure you, what the bill is and it got paid because there's mistakes made. What if they bill you usually you know, uh, $50 a month for electricity and one month is 500 and put an extra zero in there? Happens. Anyways, and if you had direct deposit, make sure you check the direct deposit. I'm talking about paychecks, money you're receiving. Make sure you check it. Make sure you got it. Make sure it's right. Not too many people just assume, oh, this is direct deposit. I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> Why would you not look at it? It's your pay. Those are some of the things to help you with your financial life, everybody. And, you know, sometimes if you one of these things mess up, it, it messes up bad. So what's coming on on the next Invest Talk? Wall Street is sending a wake-up call. That will be on one of the topics in our Invest Talk for Wednesday. As always, we're here to answer your questions on any money topic you want to talk about. Uh, we'll get to real estate, I promise. We'll get to that before the second half. And I, I want to talk about, there's a number of things. We'll get to them. we got to take a break. This is Invest Talk, everybody. 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues now. First, a couple of words for KPP Financial. We make many money choices, of course, and we try to be objective, look at the facts, look at our life situation. Some people choose to work with a registered investment advisor to help them in this pursuit. And one of the most important reasons is to be defensive, keeping risk at a minimum. It's not only the way to share it's not only a way to share the worry, it becomes a practical matter. A professional advisor has the resources and the experience. They study the market. They anticipate what might happen. For more than 20 years, KPP Financial has been serving clients all across America, and they're accessible, responsive, and maybe most important, the KPP principles invest right along with their clients. Parallel Investing. To find out more about it and their programs, go to investtalk.com, click on the Investment tab. Now let's continue with the podcast. You're listening to Invest Talk. We're glad you're here. Steve and Justin, ready to help you hone your investing skills, offer some perspective too. Author and publisher William Feather offers his take on it. One of the funny things about the stock market, he says, is that Every time one person buys, another sells, and both think they're astute. Have a question for Steve? Check in now, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, first time caller, long time listener. I'm looking at a stock AAOI, Applied Opto Electronics. Looking at it for a growth stock in my portfolio. They uh, obviously had a bunch of trouble back in August. Um, weren't geared up and then lost some of the Amazon business is what I understand. Um, since then, what I've read about them, they're gearing back up and trying to do the right thing and hopefully learn from their mistake. And where I'm looking at, it looks like a good entry point if I wanted it for a growth stock. So just wanted to know your opinion on it. Thanks. Really love your show. Well, AALI, from a from a charting point of view, for a place to buy, yes, this would be a, a buy point. Okay, now the question is, do you really, really want to own it? Now, this is a, a, a AAOI Applied 
optoelectronics, manufactured fiber optic network products for the cable TV, fiber to home, and data centers market. It's a $614 million company. So that tells you any company under a billion dollars, it means it's small. And being small means high risk. And we saw the risk when they lost a big customer, stock took a dive. It was a $100 stock, a $9,500 stock back last August. And today it's at $3,153. And that's up from the low of like $23, $24 a share. Now, this is the problem. They made, they made, in 2017, they made $4.62. So that's why it was a $100 stock, okay? Then this year, they're going to make $2.28, losing a huge customer. It's 50% fall in earnings. Next year, it's going to have a rebound of $2.99. Okay, $2.99, $31 stock means it's about a 10, 11 PE, 12 PE, 11, 12 PE. But if you're looking at the sales, sales have really taken a sharp dive in their most recent quarter that reported was December. Sales were down 6% from a year ago. Before that, sales were growing 20 30%, 100% quarter after quarter. So there's where your problem. You want to buy a growth stock? Well, how do you know it's going to grow? Now, that's where your focus should be on your research. How is it going to turn around its earnings? How is this company going to do that? And if it does it, then yes, you know, if it can do that. But how long is it going to take? When that earnings turns around, the stock will take off. The sales have to turn around. And when it happens, if it happens, the stock will take off. So there's where you, you focus your attention on the reports, on its sales, uh, uh, what kind of customers, how they're replacing the lost business, that kind of thing. Okay, but um, from a point of view of looking at a chart, it bounced from the bottom, and it's trying to work its way higher. It may retest that bottom, but it did look like it finally hit a bottom. Okay? 888-99 chart. We'll talk about real estate. Um, buying and selling real estate. There are pros and cons. You know, you can buy real estate through the market by buying a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. You can buy real estate that way. But I'm talking about going out and buying rental properties. Someone called and asked and sent me an email following up and asked, uh, what my thoughts are. I like real estate as a part of your portfolio, your overall portfolio. Now, we know when you buy your house, you start putting wealth into that, you build equity, and therefore you have some equity in that house. But you also, there's nothing wrong with buying rental properties. Now, the thing about rental properties, two important criteria, don't overpay and make sure you buy the right location. Location is key when it comes to properties. How, how do you go out and buy? Where do, you, where do you locate? How do you know where to buy? Okay, well, there's, there's lots of books out there. For myself, when I had them and I sold all my rentals a number of years ago, you know, before, before they crashed, but probably too early, too. So um, I liked... My philosophy is buying a rental property, duplex and triplexes near the ocean on, on the West Coast because I knew the area. But also, you know, good idea to buy them near large universities, rental properties. Good idea to buy them near large uh, employers, you know, near Army, Navy bases, uh, near uh, governmental offices, you know, like, you know, in a state capital. Reasons why there's renters. There's always going to be renters in these kinds of locations coming. So you can always have good uh, good 
uh, occupancy. The bad thing is, you know, sometimes renters don't pay rent. They tend to destroy the place. They, you tend to have to keep upkeeping it. You know, and it's a lot of work. If you if you're not going to manage it, you got to hire a management firm. You always got to be prepared with extra cash to take care of the place and upgrade it. And if you don't have that that cushion, you may be forced to sell the property at the very wrong time. And it's a very long-term investment, not short-term. Very long-term, 10, 20, 30 years. That's best. Is the news a factor in your investing decisions? Do you feel you can tell the facts from the exaggerations? It's not that money cable channels are getting the facts wrong when you watch it on TV, but they may be wrapping up the story uh, or, or warping the story even, wrapping it up in a very nice package or very ugly package. They want to go to the extremes, the TVs, the uh, business channels. They want Because their job is to gather viewers. Their job is not to inform you. That's not their job. Don't think in those terms. Think in the terms. Their job is to make sure they get people watching them. And they can do that by giving you information. Okay. But just always keep in mind their main focus. Keep a perspective. Okay. What is their focus? Matter of fact, you should do that throughout life with every business deal you have. What is the person's on the other side's goal? Okay. Find, keep that in, keep your focus, keep your perspective. So, what stories need straightened out that are on the news that may be, may be true, maybe not true? You can always ask. I'll try to help you. 888-99-CHART. When you sign up to be an InvestTalk Insider, you get the key to all kinds of useful information and lists that can make your investing life easier and more productive. An example is our library of webinars that you can access anytime. It's all free. Sign up on investtalk.com. Click on the Invest Talk tab. Hi, uh, Steve and Justin. I have a question. I'm calling from Radio Station 1220 KDOW in San Francisco. My question is Harley Davidson. Their sales seems to be down. Would you have any information about their future, how are they going, and whether this is a good investment at this time? Thanks. I'll be listening. Bye. Okay, Harley Davidson, Hog is their symbol, H O G, a $6.8 billion company. Uh, they're going to make $3.36 this year. That's up from $3.32 last year. $3.94 next year. Sales are finally turned around, but they're growing slowly, 3, 4, 5%. Okay, Harley Davidson. Got to remember what they do. What's their main business? They manufacture big motorcycles, right? Now, who wants these hogs? Where are they going to sell them? Well, in the United States, the older generation likes them, right? Because it probably brings back their youth or something. But the baby boomer generation, my generation, we're getting older where we may not want. Maybe they've sold all the hogs that they're going to sell to us. Maybe that's the problem. The stock has fallen from 55, 56 back at the beginning of the year. It fell down to 40, which is much, much harder fall than the 10% correction. 
it corrected more. And that doesn't look like they're done falling. So you're, it's a bit too early to think about buying. They're going to make $3.94, and it's a $40 stock. So that's about a 10, 11 PE, and that's about the low of its PE range. So it's getting to be a better value in here, where it is. And they pay a 3.6% dividend, which is good. So you just want to wait to see if this if the fall is over before you start thinking about buying it. Okay, H O G is the symbol. Hog. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. So we talked about real estate. That's my feeling on real estate. So we won't talk about that more. But if you have more questions on real estate, you can send me an email. We'll talk. Be happy to answer any questions you might have. We are now May first. What what significant thing happens in the market? in the month of May. Well, do you remember uh, uh, me talking to you about what are the best six months of the year, what's the worst six months of the year? Do you remember that old saying, go away in May? The reason why that is true is because we're now entering the worst six months of the year for the market. Doesn't mean the market goes down. It just means that the, it, that they go that is not as good as the last three months of the year and the first three months of the year, those six months. That's what that means. For instance, the average return in May, going back to 1950, is down 0.02%. Almost, almost perfectly flat. But just so you know, in those years, 67 years or so of stats, 35 of those years were positive and 32 were negative. So it's not always bad. It's not. But I do think we need to realize that we are now in the part of the year, moving into the part of the year, that the market is usually weaker. And remember, we've already seen the market weak, right? Since February. The market has already been weak. So I'm just reporting that this may be a time to be more cautious. Okay? Be more cautious with this market that we're dealing with. So, you know, it just, I can give the stats on the S&P 500, give you the stats on the NASDAQ, but they're kind of in line with what the Dow does. So, don't, don't, don't think that they're going to be any different because it's a different part of the market. Not necessarily. But does this mean you should get out of the market? No, it's not. I just want you to realize we are now moving into a weaker part of the market. I have said to you, I've told my clients, I'm telling everybody that, wants to listen to me, that I do think that this year is going to be a very choppy year, and we we don't I don't expect the market to do really very well for the last you know quarter, the last couple of months of the year. Where one of the other things involved this year that tends to make it a, a worse year than other years is we're in the midterm elections. Midterm elections tend to make the market worse in the next. You know, six months. Not better. Worse. Now, doesn't mean it's going to crash. Doesn't. I'm not saying that. I am not. I don't think it will. Because on the other side, you have earnings getting stronger. You have the economy getting stronger. So that helps support, and the world economy getting stronger. It helps support stock prices. I'm just saying. I want you to be realistic. And we're moving in the part of the year that in the summertime, it's just not as good as the fall and the winter. 
months historically. And now there've been there's been a lot of studies trying to figure out why that is true. And I don't know I don't know why. No one really knows why. And the question is, is that 67 years of this information, is that enough to really make it statistically valid? Maybe not. Maybe not. From a mathematical point of view. Not enough data points. 67 data points is not enough. Maybe if you had 2,067 might be enough. <laughs> but not just 67. Here's a term you hear and may not know. What is the net profit margin? Net profit margin. Net profit margin is the ratio of net profits to revenues for a company or business segment, typically expressed as a percentage. Net profit margins show how much of each dollar collected by the company. In other words, where it's collecting from sales, uh, products, or services, each dollar they earn, they collect as revenue, translates into a profit. It's after all expenses, all taxes, net profit margin. The equation to calculate net profit margin is net margin equals net profit divided by revenue. That's the percentage. How much, how much profit did you make? How much money did you put in your pocket after paying everything? Now, if you'd like to more know more detail about that kind of, any kind of definitions, any kind, definitions when it comes to financial terms, go to Investopedia.com. I like Investopedia. I have no relationship with them. I just like the way they they provide their information. It's very simple and easy. You type in a term and they give you the definition. And then give you a variety of definitions. And they'll make it to, in a, in a, they present it in a way that's understandable for lay people. The average person. That's what I like about them. So, now we are heading into the latter part of the show. I still want to talk about, are we heading into recession? Recession. And last week, I really wanted to talk about the jobless claims reaching 48-year low. I'm hoping we can get to one or two of those things before the end of the, the program. Okay, but always, your calls come first. So, we had time for that in the last segment. Call now at 888-99-CHART. You can join in the discussion. on Invest Talk for this Tuesday, May 1st. Your goal should be to have a plan that keeps you on course, even when the market makes a correction or a crash. Wall Street is sending a wake-up call. That's the topic next time. If you have a question for Steve today, 888-99-CHART is how to reach him on Invest Talk. 888-992-4278. That's our number. I'd love to hear from you. Let's go to Raj in Berkeley. How you doing, Raj? Hey, good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, I had a Thank question you. about Under Armour. Um, from a technical side, it, it's had a couple, it's been pretty choppy. It's had a couple really large jumps in the last couple months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, from a technical side, on the daily chart, I see a, a lot of, a couple of really large gaps that might need to be yeah. retraced. I just want to get your thoughts on the stock overall and just technically from like a, a short-term trading perspective 
Please. Okay, well, it, it popped up above all its moving averages in the last, what, three or four days. It was kind of, they were acting long-term moving average, 200-day moving average. It was acting like a resistance level as it come up, and it was kind of running along it from mid-February till now. But that was a downward move, downward moving because the, the stock really hit bottom back in November, around $10.50 or so. And today's at $16.15. So it's been coming off that bottom with higher highs and higher lows so far. But it had a really big volatile day today, up day, up 5% today or so. So it had a really good day. I, I think it's trying to show you that it's found a bottom. This is Under Armour, everybody. Markets, performance apparel, footwear, accessories made from moisture wicking synthetics. Sales are growing 5, 6, 7%. They were growing a lot more than that a year ago, 20% or so. But now they're, it's at a lower level. And the problem you have is still, even though earnings are doing really nice, up 11%, then up almost 80% next year, still earnings are going to be $0.38 cents a share. So it's not like a cheap stock. And that's where, Raj, the problem is it's still expensive compared to its earnings. Still expensive. So it's going to be volatile for you. I do think right. it looks like it's put in a bottom. But it's going to be it's going to be a roller coaster, Raj. So because it's still expensive. Sure. What, do you, what are your so, thoughts about it retracing to some of those lower gaps? I actually think it will. I think it will probably bump, bump down and close the gaps. And that's going to be about $13 or so, okay? And that will be a higher low, by the way, if it does, and then move up from yeah. there. Right. So that will still leave the higher highs and higher lows in place, even if it closed the gaps. And I think it probably will sometime in the next few months. Okay? Excellent. Hey, thank you, Steve. Thanks. Uh, that's a technical discussion, everybody. Technical meaning charting. Charting. And remember, we're going to have a seminar or a webinar on charting. Charting and fundamentals, both, coming up into May. So this was all about charting for this one. And and, they, and I just, I just want to repeat, charting is not a science. Things tend to be true. They're not always true. They just tend to repeat because people tend to... Uh, repeat themselves and what they do, their actions, okay? Are we heading for a recession? Now, here's a couple things. Here's three things that you can look at that in the recent recessions we have lined up to tell you that we are going to or having a recession. What are they? What are they? Okay, well, remember, we are now approaching the longest, one of the longest economic expansions on record. Okay, so everybody's looking. Are we going to head into recession? Now, the bad news is there's not any single thing that you can point to that says, oh, that's, that's recessionary. There's no one thing. So what can you do? Well, you can look at, uh, you can look at oil prices. That's one of the things. When oil prices spike... A recession is usually not too far behind. You can look at uh, the, the the spread, the interest rate spread. When it inverts, the two-year inverts with a 10-year. In other words, the interest rate 
on a two-year treasury is higher than interest rate on a 10-year, that also signals a recession. So there's a few things you can look at that's called the yield curve, just in case I didn't mention that, and that, that, that will tell you that there's a recession. Look for bubbles. Are we having a bubble? Are we in a bubble of some kind? It's very difficult. I wish it was easy as not. Time to end the hour, everybody. I'm sorry. A reminder, I will be in San Jose for individual retirement reviews. These can really help you get your retirement portfolio on track. The date is June 6th. June 6th. Reserve your hour. To do that, just go to vesttalk.com. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Justin Klein and I thank you for making this part of your day. And let's do it again tomorrow, Wednesday. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.